0: I' like to speak about coming home. It seems that all great spiritual traditions point in a single direction, and they point to an awakening to an uncovering of the essence of our heart and consciousness. Now rarely is this discovery described as being a separate territory. Nor is this discovery described as being necessarily a result of our effort or our willpower. Nor is it a product of altering our personality, of changing our belief systems. This direction, which is so emphasized in the spiritual tradition, is also often not even described as a going forward to a separate destination or achievement or moment of experience. Rather, this direction is one of returning. Returning to a profound and universal and timeless truth that lies at the essence of all life. In many traditions, this discovery is described as a coming home. A quote I once read said philosophy is just another word for homesickness. <laughs> and this is very true if we think of philosophy in its widest and its deepest sense of being a way of exploring our lives, understanding what is meaningful and true, if philosophy means coming to the essence of each moment, if philosophy means reaching for happiness, for well-being, for peace, then in a very real way we could say that all of meditation is actually a response to this sense of homesickness. It's an intuitive response, not a logical one, but an intuitive response. An intuition that speaks of the possibilities of a fullness of wisdom and compassion. It's an intuitive response to a lingering sense of doubt that we carry that tell, you know that somehow says that our lives are just an accident or a product of circumstances or a product of conditioning, a sense of doubt in this, that there is actually something more true to our lives than just being an accident. Meditation is a response to our, our intuition that it is possible to know the end of conflict and suffering and separation. It is a response to a core of longing that lies in our hearts for oneness and peace and joy. Now, I think that home is a very potent word for us. It is a very evocative word. On one level, we have certain associations with this word home, that lie perhaps in our past experience or in the field of our memory. And these associations that lie possibly in our past carry images or associations or memories possibly of happiness, but possibly also of distress or dysfunction or struggle. This is one level of association we have with this word home. But on another level, I think this word is deeply evocative. It is a symbol. It is about finding the home of our heart. In that sense, home is more than just an address or a geographical location. But I think the phrase being at home, being at home, carries with it associations, deep associations of ease and trust, of a place we can always return to. I think the word home is evocative, of being an enduring place of acceptance and love and understanding, a place of safety without fear, a place where we can let go of pretense and striving and proving, and simply be. Home, I think, is blessed with all of the qualities that in our lives allow our hearts to sing, to find joy and creativity and authenticity. Now, all of these qualities, all of these words, actually describe the landscape Describe the home that we are seeking to rediscover and reconnect with in meditation. The outer landscape of a retreat and the forms that we use here are like the fingers that point at the moon. They offer an external sense of refuge and many symbols that point to a very much deeper inner awakening and understanding. We have, in the form of a retreat, for example, the symbol of our practice, the symbol of our community, the symbol of this place. And a retreat, I think, represents, in its very forms, a place of remarkable acceptance, This is something I was feeling all about in retreats. It is a place of remarkable acceptance. That there are no demands, no one has to prove themselves, no one has to be special. Instead there is a care and a support that is offered. We have the forms of our actual practice which are very simple skills that we learn. And what do these skills do in our meditation? They return us to a place of discovery. They are the skills of wakefulness, of being present. But the transformation that we seek for comes through understanding, not through the guarantees of any form. There isn't any form or practice that guarantees understanding or transformation. Transformation is actually born of wisdom. It is born of commitment and patience, of an openness to learning, and the right spirit of compassion. These are the ingredients of transformation. In the simple skills of meditation, we are returned to ourselves and we are returned to the present moment. And what happens in that process is that our inner landscape, our inner life, becomes visible to us. We are revealed to ourselves. Everything. All of our secrets, all of the places, sometimes where we feel shame or judgment, the places where we feel happiness and love, the places of fear or anger or greed or jealousy. We see them all. We see our capacity for condemnation and self-consciousness. But it's not bad news. That's the interesting part of this discovery. It's not bad news. Firstly, because we don't attempt to define ourselves by what we see. We don't invest more strongly the eye in what we see. We simply see. And we also begin to understand that for any transformation to happen, that first we must see. This is the basic ingredient of any transformation. Transformation we are first asked to open and to see clearly. But sometimes when we are present with the complexity of these inner fears and forces, there are times when we feel dispossessed of the skills. You know, many of you have mentioned that here. Things arise, and we don't always feel like we have the skills or the resources available to us that allow us to penetrate deeply and to discover what is true. true. We see how many of our patterns are actually undermining the skills that we seek to develop. We see the familiar pathways that we have in our lives of listening outwardly and measuring ourselves against the values and voices of others, measuring our acceptability and worth. We see ourselves following the pathways of trying to be good enough, trying to be acceptable enough. Sometimes we're very accustomed to following the pathways of listening too well to the voices of fear, that teach us to avoid the hazards of possible judgment, possible rejection. We sometimes are accustomed to believing very strongly in our reactions and the hierarchies of our values and beliefs and images. When we encounter ourselves in meditation... We may discover that we don't always feel at home within ourselves. And we don't always feel at home in the moment. We may discover that we have a habit of fleeing and hiding and rearranging, of avoiding and controlling. And yet we also begin to understand that these habits are noticeably devoid of ease, of completeness, of contentment and richness. But to see this, to see sometimes that how much we are not at home in ourselves is something that can be deeply painful. At times we see we don't want to be at home. We don't want to be at home here. We don't want to be at home in all that we see. Instead, we want to relocate. We want to move house into somebody else's body. Somebody else's mind, somebody else's experience, somebody different kinds of feelings. But this rejection is the same discontent that stirs and moves us in our lives and turns us into a kind of perpetual traveler, always seeking the perfect world apart and separate from the world that we're in. It is a habit of disconnection that leads to so much of the busyness and manipulation in our lives as we attempt to find the right and perfect body and mind and personality and relationship and lifestyle that we can just move into. Ain't it? Too often trying to do that through adopting the voices and the beliefs and the attitudes of others. It is the restlessness of dispossession. It is true that in many ways in meditation we do actually move house. But we don't move into somebody else's house. We don't try and clothe ourselves with the attitudes and voices and beliefs and opinions of somebody else. What we do move out of, or attempt to move out of, is the territory of what is essentially not true not authentic, and not genuine within ourselves. We move house through no longer believing or subscribing to that which is false. In meditation, we do learn many skills. We learn the skills of being able to explore this inner landscape, We learn the skills of learning, beginning to learn, to be at home in every moment and in ourselves rather than fleeing. Meditation is a process of unlayering, of stripping away the many layers of disguise and camouflage that we carry within us that distort what is true and authentic. One of the first steps of that unlayering is that we very consciously end the habit of fleeing. And we cultivate the habit of befriending. We cultivate the habit of befriending. We do this all the time in our practice. We notice how many moments we jump away from this moment into fantasies, into plans, into past, into future, into the notice board, into sleep, the many, many mechanisms of avoidance we carry as we flee from ourselves. Yet we begin to be aware that as we flee from this moment, we also flee from ourselves. And then in that fleeing from the moment and fleeing from ourselves, we do indeed make ourselves homeless. And in those moments of fleeing, there isn't actually any true resting place. There isn't actually any true contentment or true happiness. Instead, we find as we, con- as we flee that it doesn't seem like there is a place of rest anywhere. Many times we try to convince ourselves that this is not true. You know, many times we can try to convince ourselves it would be good for us to flee. You know, it would be good for us to move away from the moment. But somehow we are not very deeply convinced. We see how very fragile these refuges are, that they are not a home. As yes, we have just a transit visa. Mm-hmm. There is no place of sanctuary there. And underlying those flights are the judgment and the rejection, the disconnection of what is. And we come to know this. Cultivating the skill of befriending... Cultivating the skills of being present and open to what is in each moment requires a real skillfulness of acceptance and steadiness of heart and mind. It is not easy. Often our quest to discover what is true and authentic is hijacked. It's hijacked by the voices of judge, the judge, the voice of the critic, the voice of the evaluator, the voice of the negotiator, the voice of the controller, the voice of the campaign manager, you know, the voice of greed, the voice of fear, the voice of doubt. This clamor of this great variety of voices we carry within us, adopted from others and created through our own experience. But sometimes these voices carry tremendous weight, too often shaping our experience of this moment to fit in with an experience from the past. Now, in meditation, we begin to cultivate what in some traditions is called the great doubt. The great doubt. Now, this is not the little doubt, you know. This is not the little doubt of, oh, am I doing this right, you know, am I good enough? Or It's not the little doubt that paralyzes and debilitates us. This is the great doubt, the doubt of questioning, the doubt of exploring, the doubt of, that is dedicated to discovering what is true. And that great doubt is a tremendous ally in our practice. When those voices of conditioning do arise and say, oh, I can't sit with this, you know, and I can't be present, when we see ourselves drawn towards our fantasies or our habit patterns, or when we see the voice of the judge arising or the voice of rejection arising, we recall this great doubt we say, is this true? Is it true? Is it genuine? Whose voice are we listening to? Whose voice are we listening to? And this great doubt, this capacity to question, is an ally and a friend in the process of unlayering and disentangling. It is a voice that doesn't take us away from ourselves, but returns us to ourselves and to the moment. One dimension of coming home is that there is the willingness to set aside, through questioning, our constructions and our stories. That instead of making our home in our stories and all of the contents of our experience our judgments, our images. We make our home instead in seeing. We make our home instead in questioning. Now, I would say that this is no small step. This is the most major and radical shift in meditation. When our home is no longer in the contents of our experience but when our home is established deeply and powerfully and trustingly in seeing and in questioning. It is a shift that is cultivated through creative disbelief. As one person once said, when nothing more can fall away than that which remains is true. There may be quite a bit to fall away. Now, all traditions have symbols and images that represent this rediscovery and returning to what is true. In the Zen tradition, there is a very profound series of pictures and poems that represent this journey of homecoming, which I'd like now to talk about. They're called the Ten Ox Herding Pictures, They describe a spiritual journey of discovering what is true and authentic. The spiritual journey is described as a pilgrimage. And portrayed, the spiritual journey is portrayed as a search for the elusive ox that is roaming wild in the forest. The elusive ox represents our true nature. The elusive ox represents the essence of all life. I have to change the language in these poems, by the way. The herdswoman (laughs) represents the seeker. The first picture in the ten ox herding pictures shows a woman with a face turned to look behind her. Her body is pointed one way, her face is turned to look behind her. She is seeking the ox. And the poem says, The ox has never really gone astray, so why search for it? Having turned her back on her true nature, she cannot see it. Lost in confusion, she has lost sight of the ox and finds herself confronted by a maze of crisscrossing paths." Now this picture, the first picture in the ox-herding pictures, portrays that point in all of our journeys when we awaken to the understanding that we feel that there is something missing. When we sense that there is something incomplete within ourselves. That there is a sense of emptiness. Emptiness. The maze of crisscrossing paths represents the many journeys that we have made all through our lives trying to fill this sense of incompleteness. The maze of crisscrossing paths also speaks about the confusion that we often encounter trying to find a way through this maze of paths. It represents and portrays the feelings of desperation and frustration we have felt in our lives as we discover that the wholeness that we seek for has not been found and not been answered through the endless journeys we have made of wanting, succeeding, having, and becoming. It is an awareness of estrangement, an awareness of being estranged from ourselves, an awareness of homelessness. The second picture is called Seeking the Ox. And something changes in this picture that the woman's head, instead of being turned to look behind her, has turned forwards to look in front. And she begins to see the traces of the ox. Her feet, her head, her heart are pointed together in the same direction, have begun to focus on the ground in front of her. This is the point when we begin to integrate ourselves and look to the present moment. And the traces of the ox become visible. The traces of the ox become visible through many different ways in our lives. Through teachings that we listen to, through spiritual friends, through our own experience. The traces of the ox become visible. And the traces of the ox speak about coming home, about truth and authenticity. This is the point in our journey where the seeker who has previously been wildly wandering and lost has begun to found her way. She knows roughly the direction in which she's going, but the tracks are still faint. The tracks are still faint. It also speaks to that place in our journey where we have you know, a somewhat vague or perhaps clear, but somewhat intellectual knowledge of where we are going, our yearning to be at home, our yearning for completeness, and yet still very, very strongly that that place remains very separate and apart from ourselves and from the moment, that we will find it in some other dimension, some other time, some other place. It is not realized. It exists as a yearning, an unfulfilled yearning. The third picture is called finding the ox. And this describes that point in our journey. When we begin to move from a place of intellectual knowing to a place of greater conviction and to a place also of direct experience where we turn more closely to each moment as a place of discovery, where we turn more closely to every moment we are in as a place where we will find the ox. And the poem, the commentary says, If she will listen intently to everyday sounds, she will come to realization, and in that instant see the source. we suddenly realize that the ox is not going to be discovered in some other moment. Through, perf- through fixing ourselves, through altering, through modifying, through controlling, through rearranging, we suddenly begin to realize that that which is true has to be, if it is true, will be found in every moment, in every voice, in every movement of our mind and world. And the commentary goes on to say the, nighting- the nightingale warbles on a twig, the sun shines on the willows. There stands the ox. Where could it hide? At this place in our journey, we begin to let go of some of our dualities. We begin to let go of those dualities that tell us, "Oh yes, that 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 which is true is going to be found after we get rid of the difficult or after we get rid of the challenging or the disturbing in our world or in ourselves. There does begin in the surrender of those dualities a a beginning emergence of acceptance, of harmony with what is, an unconditional welcome. Yet still, these moments of harmony, these moments of rapport and welcome, may still just be glimpses. They come to us and then again they disappear. The fourth of the pictures is called Catching the Ox. And it describes that place in our journey where we keep seeming at seeming to lose things we lose our you know we get clear and then we lose it we get concentrated and then we lose it we we get balanced and then we lose it we get calm and then we lose it again it's called catching the ox so we try to tie ourselves to the ox because (laughs) this ox is very unpredictable it seems We try to tie ourselves to the ox. Have you seen that grasping mind? We think the ox wants to run away from us. (laughs) But the ox doesn't want to run away from us. In truth, we may want to run away from the ox. (laughs) And this is a different point in our journey. As we are revealed to ourselves in each moment, we begin to open. That means that there are insights. We do often shy away from the insights that come to us. We see the causes of suffering. We see the causes of conflict. We see the ways that lead to struggle in ourselves on a moment-to-moment level. Don't we see this? Don't we begin to see what grasping does? Don't we begin to see what avoidance and resistance does? Don't we begin to see what what our, our subscribing to our habit patterns does? We begin to see this. It's very, very clear. How can we not see it? It's staring us in the face. But there is a part to insight that we don't always want to welcome. And that is the part that insight raises some very real questions. Insight has implications. That's really interesting. Insight has implications. Insight's not just some nice little revelation that we then store away in the filing cabinet you know, to pull out at some future time to kind of ponder on or gloat over. Insight, real, true insight, genuine insight has real implications. One of those implications might be, do we really have to change our lives? (laughs) You know, in the light of what we see to be true, in the light of what we see... As being the pathways that lead to happiness and well being, in the light of seeing what causes suffering and causes confusion, Do we, does that mean we have to really change our lives and our way of being in this world? In the light of understanding what, what is true, does that really mean that we have to forgive the person we dislike? Does it really mean that we have to let go of those things that we grasp and crave so deeply? Well, yes. <laughs> Simple answer here. Yes. Yes, it does mean that. Insight is not passive. Insight liberates. That is the only purpose of insight is to liberate. If it doesn't liberate, it's not insight. Another part of this picture in catching the ox is another dimension, a place, another place that actually we may get stuck. And that is the place, actually, where we feel we have arrived. You know, like we got it together, you know. Those places where we say, you know, yeah, my practice is together, you know. I'm calm. You know, I'm steady. I'm peaceful. Now I'll retire. (laughs) It's that place we think we've got it. What a delusion to think that calmness is enlightenment. It is not. Sometimes we believe or feel that our relationship in this place to the ox is still somewhat tenuous or ambivalent, and there is still a way to go. The fifth picture is called Gently in the Ox. And this is the place in our practice, actually, where a very deep sense of calmness and confidence begins to emerge. Our practice actually becomes much more effortless. There's a real intimacy and friendliness with the ox that is being forged. We feel much more established in awareness, in seeing, in wakefulness... And so many of the discriminations that we have previously brought to our inner and outer lives really just very naturally begin to fall away. We stop to cease to to think in terms of, you know, this is good, this is bad, this is acceptable, this is unacceptable, this is desirable, this is undesirable, um, you know, this is spiritual, this is unspiritual. All of these words actually begin to no longer be places of delusion. There is in that confidence and awareness the p- capacity to be present in the world of all appearances without, pre- without preferences. Appreciating that the whole world of appearances, all those things we call good, bad, pleasant and unpleasant, others, ourselves, are actually expressions unique expressions of one-abiding and enduring truth and reality. And we begin to let go of being for and against. The sixth picture is called Returning Home on the Ox. And the commentary says... Riding free as air, she joyously comes home through evening mist in wide straw hat and cape. Wherever she may go, she creates a fresh breeze, while in her heart, profound tranquility prevails. This is that place in our journey where we begin to embody in all of our life our understanding of what is true and authentic, where we are deeply rooted in the world and deeply rooted in wisdom. It is that phase in our practice that I spoke about the other evening of wise choicelessness, where all of our actions, all of our speech, our choices and directions are guided very naturally, very organically by insight and by compassion. Yet still, even in this phase, there can be a subtle sense of illusion at play because she is on the back of the ox. There is still the subtle experience or the subtle perception of the ox as being separate from ourselves. The seventh picture is called Ox Forgotten. And in this picture, the ox has disappeared. There is not two, but one. And only on the ox was the herdswoman able to come home. But now that she has returned, home is actually everywhere. What has disappeared in this picture is the sense of going somewhere. The sense of reaching the sense of moving towards something. The ox has symbolized our true nature in the midst of confusion and separation. But now that home has been reached, meditation becomes the natural activity of our lives, whether we are walking or breathing or working. That all things become a celebration of truth, And we are at home in all things, with ease, with contentment, with completeness. There is in this phase of our journey a sense of nowhere to go and nowhere to return to. Because home is everywhere. There are no dimensions to being at home. There is that sense of freedom in being anything, in doing anything. The capacity to do all things and be anyone without ever losing sight of our original nature. The eighth picture is called Both Ox and Self Forgotten. The herdswoman has also disappeared. <laughs> this is a picture of a circle holding empty space. It is holding empty space. It is form, and it is emptiness. There is no self, no one, no thing in the circle, and yet there is everything and all things. It portrays the undivisable nature of truth, that in realization that there is not one, not anyone, to experience or know it that there is not an abiding anywhere, not even in truth. The ninth picture is called Returning to the Source. And in this picture, what is shown is a very beautiful landscape. It's a beautiful picture of mountains and pine groves and waves and wind. And it shows the timelessness of awakening, that awakening never relied upon someone. To experience it. The truth actually never relied upon someone to awaken to it. That truth is timeless. The absolute, the unconditioned. Has no boundaries within time. It is not just an experience. But equally is it revealed in all things. In all moments, in every single appearance, is a celebration of awakening. The tenth and last picture in the series is called Entering the Marketplace with Helping Hands. And the commentary says <clears throat> Bare chested and barefooted, she enters the market. Face streaked with dust and head covered with ashes. But a mighty laugh spreads from cheek to cheek. Without troubling herself to work miracles, suddenly dead trees burst into bloom. She's an unconventional person. She does not rely upon what anybody thinks of her. She knows what is true, and yet she is also filled with a boundless compassion. She is fearless and wise and compassionate. Her home is everywhere, everything around her. In that presence of truth, everything, even the dead buds on the trees, begin to bloom. And yet she makes none of it happen. Our coming home is a spiritual journey. It is our path. There are many phases that we all pass through. Shadows that we meet. There are highs and lows. And yet we also carry within us, even through all those phases, almost an instinctive homing instinct. In our own journey, it is a journey of many seasons. Many, many seasons. There is spring and autumn and winter and summer. There are so many different seasons. And sometimes we don't always want to be in the season that we're in. But I think what we need to appreciate is that there is a reason we are in the season we're in and that there are lessons we need to learn there. And there is no wisdom in impatience to say I should be in a different season. We will be in a different season when we have learned the lessons we need to learn in the one we are in. But to learn those lessons also is not a passive thing, is it? To learn those lessons asks a tremendous amount of us. It asks a profound commitment, a very profound sense of inspiration, that quality of great doubt, the willingness to be unconditionally present, and above all, a profound sense of devotion. That there is actually nothing of greater importance and greater significance in our life than to be awake nothing of greater significance in our lives than to really discover that which is true. And yet, with that devotion, there is also patience, realizing that sometimes we have only a fledgling fledgling, little attentiveness, and yet we're taking care of it. We're nourishing it, we're fostering it, we're taking care of it. But sometimes this fledgling attentiveness is trying to fly in in the midst of a hurricane. So we need actually to give it tremendous care and tremendous patience. Yet to bring at the same time those qualities of devotion and inspiration and passion and commitment means that the seasons of our own journey do unfold and they bring us home. May all beings deepen in understanding. May all beings deepen in compassion. May all beings awaken to that which is true. If we have a couple of moments quietly together.